and welcome to Make Some Noise, the show that discusses all things branding, communication and everything in between. I'm Nick and I'm here with Adam and today we're going to talk about making your mark. So a mark can be called a logo or a badge or a symbol, even an identity or a brand. So we're going to talk all about the difference between a logo and a brand and have some samples today. Um, So Adam, it's 1st of October, it's a glorious sunny day. Happy October, and how are you today? I'm good, I'm good. Nice to see the sun out. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I suppose the first question, what's the difference? What's that? the difference between a logo and a brand? I think a lot of people get confused. So what would you say is the big difference? Yeah, there is. I mean, you're, you're right. A lot of people kind of... Um, I mean, you even hear they, their understanding of brand is like, you know, stick the logo on something, you know, can't we just brand it? You know, and that's kind of what they mean. And in a way, they're kind of right because, you know, we get the word from that hot iron that we stick on a cow and we say, that's my cow. So, that, you know, that's the origin of the word brand. But the actual process of branding versus, um, say, just a logo, as, as we both work on it, is much 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 richer than that um so you know that classic phrase your brand is your promise kind of thing so brand is it's there's a huge amount of moving parts to it it's much more involved than just the logo part to it so in a way people aren't wrong when they say you know branding is the logo um but the logo is only one piece of the pie um and and i think it's one of the things we're always saying to people you know your logo your you know, logo is not the brand. The brand is much yeah, more. Yeah, it's just it's the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? We have an analogy about the iceberg and your strategy and all those good parts are underneath, and your logo is the visible yeah thing, tangible it, thing. It's the bit above the, the water. Yeah. yeah. So I think we always kind of treat brand as as the experience you create. It's that expectation customers have about a product, service, or company in their minds. And it's that loyalty they have to a brand. Yeah. So it's, it's all of those things. And I think people fall in love with brands. It's that emotional connection. Whereas a, a logo is like, oh, I really like that font or I really like that symbol or that's clever. But it's, it's, it's literally the, the visible thing you can see on the top of. Correct. It's pointing uh, you to the bigger picture of the brand. Exactly. A brand is the all-encompassing sensation it gives. I mean, because you can have great brands with lousy logos. Yeah. And you can have great logos with yeah. lousy brands. Yeah. And in fact, some, some we'll talk about later are actually great logos with lousy brands. Um, and I think one of the things, just briefly to touch on this, but, you know, we're always, you know, I think people kind of like underestimate branding because they think it's just the logo, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think great business never underestimates branding. And yeah. uh, I picked this up uh, this morning. Um, from one of the great purveyors of brand Coca-Cola. And this is one of their execs said this, and I think this is it's pretty good. If Coca-Cola were to lose all of its production-related assets in a disaster, i.e. its factories, etc., the company would survive. By contrast, if all consumers would have a sudden lapse of memory and forget everything related to Coca-Cola, the brand, the company would go out of business. So... I think that's a really interesting point, but you know, where is it? You know, p- people always gravitate to the the tangible. They see mm. see the factories, mm. see the workers, they see all that, and they go, "Oh, that's why it's worth so much." But it's actually worth so much because people know it. Yeah, and they have an affinity it's, to yeah, it. Yeah, and it's 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 that kind of 
Hard to describe. I think brand speaks to the heart and the mind. It's that feeling you get when you come in contact with it. But yeah, what you're saying, then you're reminded of, so say you're talking about Coca-Cola there, you see the logo again, you go, oh yeah. And it conjures up all the, that great taste, the yeah. fizz, the red, loads of different things. You know, that, oh, even, you know, what would you have it with if you were to have it? Rum and Coke or, you I, know. I would, I would say Coca-Cola is is actually a, a product that's all brand. Because actually, if you were never told anything about it before and drank it for the first time, it's black sugary water. It's really, I mean, it's a, it's a triumph of branding. It really is because it's not that palatable. Mm. We've developed our palates. And even remember, Pepsi used to do that, the taste challenge. Yeah. Because if you do a blind taste challenge, apparently between Pepsi and Coke, you'll always pick Pepsi. And yet Coke outsells Pepsi sort of 10 mm. to 1. So, Which just shows great brands build business. They do. And it's one of, it's really interesting, as you said there, you know, the red and what have you. You know, mm. uh, the reason why Santa is red is because of Coca-Cola. You know, because they painted Santa and they put him in a red outfit. And that's why we have a red Santa. That's how strong that is. And, you, you know, that, that piece of tight, the, the swirly piece, you know, you can only, you can see just a corner of that swirl and you think Coke. Yeah. So, so it is, I mean, as you said there, it triggers all of those things. So Yeah, it's that emotional connection, the experience, isn't it? It's all of those things. So if we were to say brand is the experience or the emotional connection and logo is the... The tipping point. It's the what, trigger. What I would, would you say. say brand identity is then? So I, I the way I, I kind of have uh, had it described to me in various different ways, but various different people. But the logo, the identity portion, you want to call it. The different ways you can call it. Logo, the Greek word logos, you know, meaning you know, name, uh, your identity, the visual face, but or mark, as in your signature. The, the way it's been described to me various times, and this is probably one of my favourite ways, is it's a memory trigger. That this little device, when you see it, fires off in your head all of those associations that you were speaking about there mm. with Coke. If you see the Nike swoosh, it makes you think of uh, footballers. It makes you think of track athletes. It makes you think of Michael Jordan. It makes you think of, you know, just do it. It makes you think of trainers. It makes you think of all of those things just fire off in your head. Mm. Well, I think the brand identity is the the extended assets, isn't it? It's like the colours, the, yes, the, the fonts, the, the, the tangible imagery, assets. The, yeah. It's all of those things with the logo on the, the top of that. And all of those collectively are pointing to your brand or your core yeah. experience. So it, it's a tool. If we were to say there's lots of different touch yes, points yes, sorry. that then bring it back to... The overall experience. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and like I mean, even in that toolkit, I mean, you can have. I mean, I was I was reading up about uh, you know Intel the other day. I don't know if you remember, they used to have that you know do 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 that sound mm. kind of thing. Mm. That's part of their yeah, brand. Absolutely, so there's an identity thing there. Uh, yeah, it's like so. you can touch it, you can see it, you can feel it. It's all those things. Whereas the I think that's why people find branding hard to explain, but it's it's that emotion. Yeah. So all of that brand identity touch points are pointing to that emotion or that memorability you want to have and to stick into customers' minds. So then they become loyal, and obviously the it goes round and round. So your business is, is continually built and memory memorized. So you've got that brand loyalty and obviously a successful business at the end of the day then. Yeah, ideally, that's what what you're doing. You're you're parceling everything together. Um, And and obviously today here we're talking about making your mark. Yeah. So we actually are going to focus in on... On the actual 
on the on logo the, or mark exactly. or symbol. Um, because, look, you know, designers and, and, and what have you uh, love the, the logo part. Yeah, and, I think many business owners are really intrigued and kind of go, like, as we often say, I think we love identity and, you know, all the, the moving parts, but the, the logo or that mark is often the most difficult thing to create because it's you have to really capture the essence of the brand at a glance it's that telling the story or crafting that piece of type that you know within an inch of its life that's going to tell a story or have that impact or memorability so it's 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 a tricky thing to think where i think a lot of business go god that that won't take you long, you know. But it, know. that's the longest thing that you know. It, it takes a long time. Or or, or or worse, sometimes they've come to you for when they've designed themselves. Yeah. You know, and they go, yeah, you, we've done the logo, and you go, you're yeah. looking and going like this is unusable, you know. So uh, you, you might have created, you know, hundred versions before you go, okay, I'm happy with that final one. Yeah. And that's how you kind of hone down the craft. But you also get sometimes the, the we can tell one of my favorites is the FedEx symbol, and we can talk about that in a minute, but. It's how do they arrive at that trick? Like it must have taken hundreds of versions to finally go, do you know what, Jesus, that's what we were trying to achieve here. So often we as designers, certainly in alchemy, it might have done hundreds of versions of a mark before, right, that's it. Yeah. That's going to have the impact. That's going to, that does the job. Yeah. I think what's interesting as well, I mean, we've both been working in uh, logo and identity design with some really great people from probably about, 20 years a piece you know um, and what, what's kind of interesting to me is and I kind of s- s- keep apart from this conversation but the amount of times I've heard about you know the death of the logo or whatever or designers won't be doing logos anymore because you know you can get it in clip art or these these companies that knock them out for a fiver or all these kind of things and I've yet to experience this reality where the, yeah. the logo is supposed to be died I've seen it change and then I've seen it kind of come back. There's trends, isn't there? Yeah. So you might have uh, suddenly, you know, everything is set in circular or, you know, tight, tra- you know, tracking or whatever. And I think somebody did an exercise a year to and go and it was a sudden trend of, and a lot of logo marks looked the exact same because everybody was using the same kind of crafted typography. And, and then you're kind of going, well, hang on here. What are we all doing here? It's like as if people rely on a, a, a trend or a craft that they feel comfortable with. Um, yeah, they could even be doing it subconsciously. I mean, they, they, you know, sometimes sometimes certain things are kind of timeless. Like people look at Swiss design, for example, and kind of, you know, mine that territory all the time. But I'm even thinking of sort of things I remember when I was first being trained to do logo or identity design proper. I was being taught that you had to consider what's the embroidered version of this going to sure, be. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah. And what's what's the, you know, the, the size mm-hmm. when How it's... How can it be re- reproduce when it's faxed? Yeah, no. exactly. Oh, oh, when it's 10 mils uh, width versus when it's 10 metres yeah. width, you used to have to draw a new version. Mm. Uh, and, and then, you know... It's much more complicated back in the... We're showing our age now. I know, I know. But, like, the, 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 I think the good thing about that rigour is what was interesting then, you got this kind of, like, you know, digital era where people say, oh, well, it has to move now and it has to do this and that. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, I remember when Three Mobiles, old, old logo came, it was all singing, all dancing. It had all these moving parts. 
Um, and at first you're going, oh, wow, look mm. at that. There's no substance to it. No. Do you know where it really started to fall apart? They did a sponsorship deal, I think, at that time with the Australian cricket team. And I remember seeing it embroidered. Right. And it looked atrocious. Yeah, yeah. And it said to me that people designing it... Just didn't consider that. They didn't consider it. Mm. And it fell apart pretty much straight away. And the version that three use nowadays is what I would call their embroidered version. The all singing, all dancing one was killed. Um, and, you know, you've kind of seen that. I remember, you know, the Tate um, yeah. gallery had that, yeah. like, version where they'd, like, something like 70, 80 different versions of their logo. And the recent rebrand done there by North Design, they've just gone and used one. Yeah. So, again, that's what I mean. These things come in waves where people say, oh, it's all changed. But that idea of having one and it's crafted and perfect mm. and it works is the kind of training I was given. Uh, and it had to work in black. It had to work in white. You sure. had to be able to reverse it. Um, and you had to... I mean, it's one of the things I see as well with logo design is that people make a version that sits black on white. Mm. Well, but that was all we were trained always to have. The, like, colour didn't even feature. You had to make the mark first. Correct. Yeah, had to, if it didn't work in black and white, then it obviously didn't work. But the, the white on black then yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Or they don't allow for it to sit on an image yeah. or whatever. You know, so I, I just kind of minded that some of those craft skills have... Sure, yeah. They're still required. Yeah, and I'm reminded of my London days when I went left NCAD, went straight to London and got a job with a company called Ideas Factory. And we had a book in the library and I'd say I, it was the most leaf through book I ever went through. It was called Design in, in the Mind. Mm. And I love marks that have all a bit of clever wit yes. within them and I think I will always gravitate to those kind of marks so the ones that have the most impact the ones that are really clever the ones that Jesus I never knew I never saw that until now once you see something it's really hard to unsee it within a mark itself and again we're talking about the FedEx logo there mm. but that book if you know I'd really highly recommend it um, Design of the Mind and it's just clever wit and I think even in marks or identity systems or brands today, it's something that should always try and feature or be injected because it makes you smile. Yeah. It creates that emotional connection again. And I think it actually, what's interesting about that book and some of the, some of the marks you've kind of indicated there is that, again, I think when people don't quite know what they're doing or when they've done it themselves, what they do with a logo is they draw an illustration of their business. Um, I was reading the Harvard Journal and I don't agree with what they said here. They, they, they called this type of logo a descriptive logo. And the Harvard Journal was saying, oh, that's the better type of logo to, to use. Uh, literally an illustration of your business. Now, I would argue... That's a pictogram. Yeah, that's just a drawing of your business. Yeah. That's not as, you know... It, it doesn't act the way a great logo does mm. because a great logo has this simplicity it has an iconic kind of shape yeah. you recognize it from a distance yeah. you know if you think of a pawnbroker it's those three gold balls mm. i actually don't know off the top of my head why it's three gold balls but you know it's a pawnbroker it mm. couldn't be any simpler than that yeah um yet if i was to draw an illustration of a pawnbroker i'd probably have some guy behind a cage taking money off somebody for their their mm. most treasured possession so it doesn't work um, so again, I think that's one of the little hidden pieces yeah. about 
a great logo is, as you say, every time you look at it, it's still as compelling. Well, that's it. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of wit there going, God, I wish I'd come up with that. Mm. You know, I think every designer kind of has that. Yeah, no, I'm Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. But I think the best logos or marks have been around for aeons. And when you kind of said to me, subject of this podcast, um, you know, what's your favourite marks? And... I think he said to me a few days ago, and I've been, you know, it's quite hard to actually pick. I think we've picked five each, so we have the top ten. Yes. And for me, the ones I gravitated for and was mulling over before I put them down on a page was the ones that stood the test of time. The ones that have lasted the longest or have only been kind of marginally changed over the years. So they've stayed true to the original mark back in the day. And I think some of the marks we put down here are... Um, from as early as 1900, which uh, one of them is the Shell yeah. logo, and it's 120 years old. Yeah. And I think just for the purpose of this um, episode, we're going to create a visual blog because it's quite visual. I think uh, people would like to see the actual marks. Yeah. So after the um, this episode, we'll put a blog up on the website, and people can actually see the visual yeah. side of what we're talking. It'd be about. interesting as well, uh, in a way. This is what I mean, right? This being a memory trigger. If uh, in saying these, does it conjure up the image in people's heads? You, you know, yeah. right? Because I, if I say the Nike swoosh, we all see it. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that. That I mean, this sounds really ignorant, but I say ten years ago was the first time I actually understood what the swoosh was. It's uh, you know, goddess Nike. She had winged heels. Uh, and that's what that's what she's supposed to be mm. the winged heel I didn't know that yeah. but it still makes it a great mark but just on the point of that then they as as we kind of know now that you know great brands like the likes of Starbucks and the Mermaid the McDonald's and the Golden Arches the Nike swoosh yeah. they don't even have their name anymore they're does McDonald's have their name anymore yeah it's just the Golden well, Arches so right? it can be used say in the yeah. rest but I've seen it lots of times on its own but ask ask any five year old and they'd recognise that's a McDonald's symbol. Yeah. So it's that recognition, it's that big brand, super brands, I think some of them are called, that they actually don't even need the name. They're they're yeah. recognised, they have that loyalty. They don't Shell is one of them as well. Yeah. They don't even need the name anymore. Yeah. I I mean this is a, this is where you know, the kind of the the mixture of brand and identity kind of Exactly separates because yeah. I mean to be honest with you, I really don't like McDonald's M, but yeah. I recognise yeah. that it's a yeah. very strong identity. Mm. Uh, anyway, look, today we're actually just talking about the identity part and we're doing a kind of a top ten. And uh, so we're gonna go backwards and forwards here and I suppose trying to explain a little bit why you like it, but it, this is not meant to be academic as an exercise it's just meant to be like this is just of the gut what what you what, yeah. you, what you love I think the first one I, I picked was the the famous Woolmark and I think when you even say that that name or phrase I think people have probably already see it in their minds it's on yeah. every really good quality jumper out there that's yeah. 100% wool yeah you probably always see it as that little tag absolutely thing, right? so it's that it's it's that quality mark of assurance it's you know it symbolizes like it's, it's a classic example of features on its own it doesn't need the, the name Walmart underneath it but it I, just looks it looks like a ball of wool it looks like a ball of wool but it actually isn't it's but if you if you were to draw a ball of wool yeah, you probably wouldn't draw it's a that shape yeah. yeah 
but you can just see that the lovely the blends the yeah. and it says that like the whole thing here is re, it's meant to represent um hundred percent wool, but you see that and it, it has that quality mark. It's that reassurance. Um, it's authentic. It's sort of the test of time. It has that impact. It reproduces well. I could go on and on. I, th- um, I think also, I mean, one of the things I find uh, really compelling because you've got it blown up quite big here, is just the shapes of the thing because I know and you know from you know drawing millions of logos like curves drawing yeah. curves is and, and making them look right is extremely hard yeah. and now one thing you got to remember this this is drawn by hand yeah and it was created in 1964 yeah so definitely by, by um, an Italian guy called Franco Grignani and would you believe it was our pet eight the business um called out for um, competition. Yeah. And it was a winning entry kind of thing. And we always say, God. I know. You know, but anyway, and the well, same with the Nike swoosh. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk to you as well. And one of mine is a is a competition entry. So there you go. Yeah. So it's kind of, and I suppose that's, I suppose, a, a misunderstanding from a business perspective how that they didn't consider it as the one of their most important assets from the get-go. They've thrown it out for a competition. Well, you know? I mean, look at it. I mean, they've made it. And when, when do you say it was? 1964. Right, and it's still going. Yeah. So it was money well spent. You know, I mean, I to me, that mark is as good as a Bridget Riley painting. It's yeah. optically Absolutely. convincing. It's optical you, illusion. You yeah. could stare at it for... I mean, maybe I'm weird, but <laughs> I could stare at that for ages. That's definitely in the... Jealous, wish I'd made something. There you like go. That. Yeah. yeah, and I think every every designer listening will understand that kind of. Oh, I wish I had yeah, done that. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, but, but also yeah. I'd say because of the way it's drawn, it's almost kind of beyond me. That kind of the beauty that's yeah. Kind of, so what's your well, your first well I don't think you'd be surprised at my yeah. number one um, and this is a good example of uh, what I think is a great identity attached to a fairly lousy service it's the British Rail logo as it was I mean obviously British Rail is no more existence however the logo is still used which I find really interesting mm. so if you're in the UK and looking for a train station this logo still there like hanging in there like a like a ghostly reminder sure. um but i think for me this is you know this is tied up with before i even knew i wanted to do design this is me as a kid i remember i used to draw this logo on copy books sounds weird in amongst <laughs> all other things but i just as a kid this really tickled me because it's two lines that you can see the train tracks it's an arrow going forwards, an arrow going backwards. It's just, I don't know why. It just really kind of... It's interesting from kids, even from back in the day. Maybe you thought, was it easy to draw or why did you actually... It's, I, I, I don't know why. It just kind of is one of those little optical mm. kind of puzzles. And it's been called various things over the years, like crow's feet. And it's called, I mean, it's most popular name is Double Arrow. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it stems back from you know going over to Glasgow every Christmas and getting the train into the middle of town and the train would pull up with this and mm. it's the smells yeah, of well, that's it, transport. Isn't it? Some of the, the marks I picked it's the it's that kind of feeling you, or that me- memory you have of it. A lot of my, a lot of the ones I've picked are from my time in London as a designer. Yeah. 
because I associated with my London days and yeah. that excitement of starting out as a designer and all these marks and you know yeah. so it's those associations that kind the, of result, the, the funny thing about my association with it is I attach it to a service that was dilapidated you know so when I was coming along as, as a kid it was on rusty signs mm. and, and ruined trains but when you actually research it um and it was made in 1965 by the Design Research Unit. It sounds very Doctor who or something like that. And so it, it was a really advanced design system. Like, I've just downloaded the guidelines. It's a vast system. It was absolutely huge. They put it on everything from uniforms to carpets. They put it on ferries. It was a huge interlocking system with its own font, way ahead of its time. Kind of thing, you know, top top companies be doing now. So, I just find that when you look at that system, uh, you see this is a good example of brand identity. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. yet, all I ever knew of was the identity. Mark. Yeah, yeah, and it's still it's now a ghost mark. It's like yeah. you see it, see it around, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wrapping that one up. Yeah. There you go. Uh, my number two is the FedEx logo. Yeah, it's a cracker. And I think a lot of people, obviously, will know the name. They might know the trick that's within the mark we're kind of alluding to. But it was actually the the old name of the company was called Federal Express back in the day. And the um, designers were tasked with creating a mark that they, the owner wanted it to to, to show that they moved everything from letters to boxes to freight with speed. So they moved, every, you know, A to Z of, you know, letters to boxes and um, freight at speed. Um, also, the name, the federal side of the name obviously had some sort of bad associations. So they, you know, shortened it down to FedEx. But I think the beauty of this is just the craft, the simplicity. It's also, as we know now know, um, as they've expanded out all their services and sub-brands, it's actually part of a whole brand architecture system. Um, but there's a little trick in there. And I don't know whether to, to give it away, but maybe I, I, I would... Oh, I no, go for it. I think so. I would urge people to have a look at the FedEx and is, is there a hidden trick within that that they see? And this hidden trick basically says speed in an instant and once you see it it's very hard to unsee it um and i remember my creative director at the time when i started off as a junior designer in london telling me about it. And i looked at it for the first time and i felt like such an idiot i didn't see and then i saw you know i just looked and looked and looked and you found it but um apparently it was a happy accident yeah I was reading about it this morning, actually. The designer came up with 200 iterations. Mm. And it was only when he was nearly at his 200th that they, he was like, he, he realised he could, you know, see the, the capital E and the X to make the symbol yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, it, was a, it was a happy answer. Yeah. And then when they saw it, they crafted it. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's yeah. a cracker. Yeah. It really is. And again, it's, you know, it's very robust. Um, you know, it's standing the test of time. You can keep looking at it; it's still enjoyable. When you see yeah. it on the vehicles, those yeah. those kind of white trucks that they. Well, have. that's it. And I think people say, "Well, how, how come there's a green one or there's a purple one?" And again, that's to um, symbolise that there's more sub-brands or there's different services. Yeah. So it's a colour-coded system. No, it's a cracker. Very good. Like that one. So my number two is the Munich 1972 Olympics. Uh, logo 
by Ottleiker. Um, and this is a winner of a competition. Right. Yeah. So he submitted his first logo to the committee and it was a version of this without the spiral mm. and they rejected it. And they said to him, you can work on the rest of the uh, Dente programme, but we're going to open up a competition for the logo. And I think there was, you know, quite a lot of entries, should we put it this way, until he resubmitted this, which was a combination of two logos. This was the classic when a client comes back oh, to you. Okay. Yeah. I like option A and option B. Yeah. I like the two together. Yeah. And in fairness to him, he did it. You know, and he brought this back and this as a as a mark, a bit like your Walmart, it just tickles me in the sense that it, optically it's stunning. You know, it's amazing kind of visual thing in itself. It's robust, it's strong. Again, it's something that would be very hard to craft. Oh, it's incredibly hard to <laughs> very do. Very detailed. Oh, and it's... it's it, and it combines with an overall system again, mm. which was absolutely stunning. Uh, and this is um, to represent what they termed the, the joyful games, mm. uh, because this was Germany's second Olympics. What I love about it, I have to say, is, oh, my God, created in 1965, and it looks like you'd created today. Or it's just so... It's that modern feel that just, again, that timeless longevity about it. It's never oh, going to go out of date. It's a, it's a masterpiece. The whole yeah. system is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's uh, beautifully crafted. Stunning. To look at. Yeah. I know you, the whole story of this is Yeah, amazing. I think it's, for us it's the, the, the nicest ever Olympics. Well, the Olympics logo itself is pretty good. And that's yeah. an unusual challenge that yeah. you have to put a logo with another logo. Sure, yeah. So it's really... Yeah. Really interesting one that they were, he resolved this one. It's it's an absolute masterpiece. Mm. So, mm. Bit of, like I could talk for days, but I'll shut up about sure. it. Sure, it's a cracker. Yeah. Um, my next one is the V and A. Yeah. And again, I think I think I had this on mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew there'd be some crossovers. Yeah. I think this is my favorite mark of all time. I have to say, I even get right. a bit emotional well, about it. A number one, then. No? starting to talk I think the the Walmart is the most famous out there I think I was looking great a review actually put it down as their all time uh, number one logo when they looked at the top oh, really? 20 logos okay. yeah okay um, I had it on my list anyway but I wasn't sure whether I'd have it at number one I just have a, a long term love of the Victoria and Albert Museum and when Alan Fletcher got his hands on this uh, he was actually committed from Pentagram, obviously at the time. He was actually commissioned to um, work with them on a wayfinding system, and the designer of the museum was having a look at a new um, identity and mark for the museum because having looked at all their letterheads and bits and bobs, they had five or six different logos going around. So they took the opportunity to kind of go, okay, well we're doing we're using Bodoni for this symbol for the museum. So they then kind of thought, well, let's try and incorporate that into the actual mark. So the beauty of this is the V&A was actually the nickname of the Victorian Albert Museum. All right, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And they've created, obviously, a lovely unified symbol. So they've cut the A in half and used the ampersand as the crossover. And it's just a thing of timeless beauty. Just love it. And it reproduces so well. And they've used it as all sorts of you know identity systems and visually it's again it's 
it's got that timeless quality about it and it's modern yet classic um, and it's created in 1989 oh really? And, yeah okay and it's had a tiny bit of I think Wolf Owens have got their hands on it since just uh, you know small updates um, just to continually evolve it but um, to me it's one of those marks that's going to stand the test of time and again I remember from my day it was Sunday afternoons in London I'd go to the V&A and I think I spend more time looking at the logo as much as the, the artefacts in the museum. Yeah. You know. I, you know it feels, it feels appropriate to the museum as well. Yeah. I think because it has this classical well, that's it. piece of type. Yeah, yeah. But the, then it has this modern yeah. piece. And I think there's a really interesting story there. I mean, the museum is a, is, is a curation mm. or an editing process. But yet they're moving um, exhibitions that come and go. So I think that's where the modernness comes yeah. in. Yeah. And I think you don't miss... When you look at it, you don't think there's anything missing. No. And I think, again, that's the, it's that treatment of negative space is the real hero here. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a brilliant piece. Yeah. Uh, and it's compact. It's strong. It's compelling. You keep looking at it. It's a lovely thing. And it's, it has a beautiful elegance about it as well. And I think, as we're saying there, for a long time to come, I think it's, it's a great ambassador for the museum itself. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely example. And, you know, from a great designer, obviously. Yeah. Um, okay, back over to me. So my third choice is from 1975 uh, from a company called Dane and Blockburn. And it is uh, a logo called the, the Worm, believe it or not. It's from, it's NASA. So NASA brought this in in 1975. I think they retired it in the 80s and they brought back a really horribly old kind of badgy thing. Mm. And now they've brought it back again. So it kind of went out. Yeah. And it's come back, and I just think it's a it's an absolute cracker jack, you know. It really this is a cracker jack. Oh, it is. When this is one actually, uh, when I was looking this up, I saw they put it on the side of a new rocket that they're making. When you see it on the rocket, it looks just tip top. It just, it looks like that's yeah. that's where it belongs. Yeah. you know, it has a robustness about it, doesn't it? The simplicity. It says space without it being. Yeah, it's impact. Sci-fi. It's got that emission that we talked about there. You can read it as NASA, but it's got no crossbars and the A's. Yeah. It's all one path. Uh, it's a little. It's also, I think, one of those things. It's a little bit clunky in places. Yeah, it's kind of ugly, beautiful. Yes, isn't it? and you know. You know, drawing S's is very hard. They've done that. It's, it's, oh, it's, it feels spacey. Sure. Yeah? Yeah. So, it just, when you see it on the side of a rocket, it makes total sense. Sure. Very good. Okay, now my number four is the London Underground. A lot of transport, eh? Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just one of those. <laughs> Moving people. Speedy. Yeah. Um, I think it's icon- It's obviously an iconic. It's it's in many ways it's become a symbol of London. What's the first thing you think of when you think of London? Yes, it, true. You know, it, it's true. it's that. It just has that iconic feel about it. It's Edward Johnston who obviously created the typeface as well, and it was created back in nineteen nineteen. Imagine. Yeah. Hundred and one years old, and it's stood the test of time. Again, it's one of those that's has marginal evolvement treatment throughout the years but um it stayed true to johnson's original iconic and it's a much loved design i don't think i can say much more it's just a lovely simplicity i think the simplicity it. of this is yeah. is kind of breathtaking and yeah. this is one of the things that uh is a real 
difficult thing to do mm. to do something this simple I mean one of the things I'm always minded of it would be almost impossible to do something this simple now because yeah Whenever you do something with minimum amount of shapes, it will look like something else. Well, that's it. So, and like how many tube stations that features also um, now the the symbol for the transport of London itself. Yeah, so it's, no, and, and it's it's, a, it's one of those classic. You know, started out as a logo, but it now it's kind of turned into its own brand identity system. But even though they use posters and yeah. all that, it, it's a very. I mean, it's it's a logo that's not. It doesn't sit in the corner. It's no. very. It's got a character. Yeah. It's got it, got a character, and it even, kind of brings yeah. itself to the fore. Yeah, even white out without any type, you know, it's the underground yeah. or the transport of London. So I, I, I feel it's like a Mister Man kind of character. It's yeah. like it's got the it's, timelessness. Isn't it? Well, it, it feels warm and friendly. And yeah. yeah. You know. Well, is that much? Like everyone, like when I think of London, one of the first things I think of is the underground, and I have that happy kind of feeling again. Yeah. Like, you know running around London for a day on the underground yeah you know I, I have to say I don't have a huge <laughs> love affair with the underground I think it's one of those things where the yeah. identity overtakes the actual when you actually get on the underground and you go god this is unpleasant I think having lived and worked there Jesus there was no other way to travel it just got you the absolutely look I get that you know? absolutely I think yeah but as an identity got fish as well going up yeah and down as an identity it's superb and yeah. even the colour choices are absolutely bang yeah. on yeah yeah so it's a cracker uh, okay, my number four is not such a well-renowned one. It's a small uh, logo, but again, from another pentagram partner. This is from John Rushworth. This is for England's Waterways Trust. Uh, it was done in 2000, and it's one I just read. This is one I genuinely wish I'd done uh, because I just love it. This is an absolute... It's got two things going on. Mm. So it's made of negative space. We've got what looks like a duck with on on uh, one hand uh, reeds behind them but on the other hand those reeds are shaped like a hand and it is it such has, a clever piece yeah it just has care written all over it doesn't it it's oh, like it's... that you know we it's all about care and you know it's just it's just as love it's a, it? it's a it's such an elegant idea it is so beautifully crafted and put together it could have been cold or sterile. It's full of warmth. Yeah. And also, when it's applied, it gets even better. Yeah. It just, it's just, you know, white out on a poster with reeds in the back. It's fantastic. Mm. Uh, it's genuinely, like, if I was aspiring to uh, a level of thinking and craft yeah. and ability, this this would be a level. And they're obviously protecting the wildlife, you know, and... It's the, it's the waterways trust. It, it says what it's meant on the table. No, like, full, full of meaning and what yeah. have you. I've seen a few other waterways ones um, that I just don't think come near the, sure. the grace or elegance of this as an idea. It's it's. I, th- I think it's a benchmark. Mm. So it's a small identity, as it were. Mm. Uh, probably lesser known, but I think it's an absolute superb piece. Sure. Yeah. Um, my, sadly, my number fifth. Um, number fifth. Number yeah. five. Number five, or well, my fifth, yeah. Um, is, yeah. And again, it's it's because of its impact. It's because of its... It stood the test of time. It's The original one was in 1900, and the first iteration of it was actually a mussel shell. And then over the years, it's graduated from a mussel shell into a scallop. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, right. and it was more sort of pictorial at the start, and, you know, even up to 1948... You know, still quite, you know, it looks like an illustration. And interestingly, the colours are 
as you know, they're red and yellow, but mm. they're actually the, the colours of Spain. Oh. Yeah. So this is an interesting story. The, the first, Shell's first service stations were built in California. And at the time, many of um, the early California settlers were, were um, Spanish. So they actually, well, it's thought that this is why they picked these actual colours. It was hoped that the emotional bond would be created. All right. So it's a lot there of Spanish in the area. So let's, you know, um, colorize it red and yellow. Jesus. And again, those colors are still, it's so visual today. Yeah. Um, and again, it's like the Nike swoosh or the McDonald's arches. In some cases, it doesn't even need the name shell underneath <laughs> it. Um, no, so, you're right. You're, yeah. yeah. So again, it's it's so recognizable. It can appear without the name. And I think it's just one of those classic um, examples of what every good logo or mark should do. It needs to be impactful. It needs to tell a story. It needs to be able to reproduce, um, you know, sim- with simplicity and um, stand the test of time. Like yeah. this is this one's 120 years old. I think it's the oldest one we have in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. like looking through its genealogy, there, it's you know shapes. It's it's more or less kept the same. Yeah, well, that's it. Shape exactly. with. Yeah. I mean, basically, its journey is one from pictorial to simplicity. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very interesting. I think even the story of how they got the name, which is a story for another day, is interesting. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. We will keep the for our naming podcast. Yeah. Okay. So my last one, um, and I have to say, look, my five tends to different depending well, on what day well that's it I was just going to say there was lots of other ones yeah. we had like penguin and yeah, I love dairy penguin. milk and loads of other ones that you could kind of kind of so it does differ on different days yeah. but I do like this one it is made in 1913 and it was made for the Mont Blanc pen company um now I have to say normally when I look at this I love the the little symbol mm, me too um, but I also looking at the type. I yeah, really the type like. I really love the type. It's so robust, so retro, so solid. It is is a beauty to it. But uh, principally, the, the symbol. I've always liked the symbol, and I love the strength of it. it. It's got this lovely combination of blockiness and thinness. It's evocative. It feels luxurious. Um, but I never, I, I mean, it sounds really thick, but I never understood it was supposed to be the top of yeah. the mountain looking down. Yeah, aerial view. Yeah. What I love about it, so you have your pen, and, and again, it's not all, the logo doesn't always have to sit with the logo type. So on the, on the pen, top of your pen, you have the mark. Yeah. Or the symbol, I mean. Yeah, so it can sit isolated. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, that's it. It's identity, mm. product, brand, all working together seamlessly. Always in black and white. Classic as well. Absolutely classic. Example. Yeah. I, another superb piece. Yeah. So that's my five. Yeah. As we're saying, there's, there's, it was a very hard, like, we're in the business, I think, close to half a century at this stage. And it was a very, a very enjoyable exercise, but at the same time, um, I had penguin in there. I had lots of other ones, and you had to keep. One one day I'd change it back to you know. I'd Penguin's a lovely one. Yeah, yeah. it's a great example. Yeah, um, that's an example actually. When I think about it, of something that's illustrative. Yeah. Um, so that, you know. yeah, and I think the first one was created in nineteen seventeen or something like that as well. So again, around yeah. a long time. But beautifully simple. Yeah, 
But you almost think of the that more as a branded entity. I think that's why I didn't put it in because you're associated with the orange book. Of course, you do, which is a different design exactly. and a different thing. Yeah, yeah, so that's why I didn't put it in yeah. at the end. Which, I mean, it's intrinsic to that design yeah. system, isn't yeah. it? Which is beautiful as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this episode is called Making um, Your Mark. So there's plenty of other ways to make your mark. So we thought we would just... Um, end this episode with some other ways everybody can make their mark so it's not necessarily just creating a physical logo but I think there's other ways like what other ways can you think of I think I've thought about a few and you know it could be building a successful business um, renovating your forever home or a listed building for generations to come it's that legacy you want to leave isn't it I think I think it's yeah I mean it's the it's a positive impact on the, on the yeah. world. So, yeah. So is it like being kind to your neighbour and community or volunteering for the greater good? Is it coaching your local uh, GAA kids team on a Saturday morning? Is I, it, I'd argue that, I'd actually undo the goodness by trying <laughs> to do that. giving back. Um, is it passing your skills on to colleagues or your kids? Or it's, it's, it's basically, you know almost giving back or what what how can you leave that yeah something i think it's what footprints you leave behind yeah yeah Yeah. having kids teaching them to be warm full of integrity yeah um so that's just some of the things so i think today just to sum up we've discussed branding and the difference between a brand uh brand identity and a logo or a mark we've discussed our top 10 and we hope you didn't get too um, bored within that because we could talk about that forever. Oh yeah, no, I um, know. And as I said, we, we'll create a blog after this so you can see the visual goodies as well. Um, and then we just summarised there that, you know, making a mark comes in various different guises. Um, so that's 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 it for today. Yeah, and very enjoyable. So we'll, we'll talk to you next time, different subject. Uh, the idea of all of these podcasts is how to... Um, expand people's knowledge and what branding is and can do and and the potential of it yeah and it, it was we created the podcast at the start you know of the lockdown to try and we're obviously not frontline workers or anything like that we were trying to just help and what other ways you know can business get out there and help others so this whole episode, our podcast was to really see how we could help others or yeah. help others build a business help, help people jump the gun on on these kind of because these kind of conversations we're having are the kind of conversations we'd have with our clients to help, yeah. help get them to understand the potential yeah. of their business it's all about impacting people's lives and that's that's our position and our why and how do we always deliver that and that's what we're trying to do we're trying to impact others trying to make our own mark yeah okay so with that we'll uh, we'll let everyone go all right bye everyone see you next time cheers bye Thank you.